following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. The year is 1998, and it is a period of galactic civil war. Scratch that. There's no civil war. That would be crazy. However, the past 15 years have been a dark time for Star Wars fans, but there is hope. A new Star Wars film is on the horizon. In 199 days, 3 hours, 33 minutes, and 29 seconds, the most anticipated movie of all time will be released. In the remote state of Ohio, two best friends and lifelong Star Wars fans have drifted apart. Little do they know that on Halloween night, their paths will cross again. You ever wonder why these words are flying? Maybe aliens in another galaxy will one day read this and go, what the fuck? Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Get In Loser, we're starting a podcast. I'm Cheetah. I'm Chop. And this week, we got another movie breakdown. And this round, we're going to do cult classic Fanboys. Got a lot of uh, cameo stars in this movie. It's a big movie that didn't get to love it appreciated until many, many years after being released. And it was kind of doomed from the start, unfortunately. (laughs) But, like in the movie, there is hope on the horizon. As early as 2020, the entire original cast got back together for a reunion. And they have all agreed that if the uh, if they were able to, they would all come back for a sequel. So, you know, if there's any fans of fanboys out there, you know, we got to hold on to that little sliver of hope that one day we'll get a true sequel. Which I think would be awesome. But, anyways, you know, like we do with every movie breakdown, we're going to deep... We're going to dive into this movie as much as we can, you know, we'll explain, we'll give you guys a little breakdown of the movie, you know, our thoughts, uh, maybe some of the troubles that this movie went through and why it didn't take off the way they wanted it to. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, we'll talk about what we loved about the movie. Drew recently just seen it for the first time ever, so <laughs> I'm excited to hear his unfiltered thoughts on it. Because anybody who's been listening to the show for a while knows that Drew has no filter. He just nah. says whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm excited. But before we get too far into anything, I just want to give you guys a little uh, rundown of this cast. Because there were some pretty big names in here that were kind of big when this movie took off. But this is before, like, their careers, like, really took off. So we got guys like uh, Dan Fogler, who plays Hutch. You might know him from, uh, he was on Walking Dead for a little bit, I think, and he also was in the Fantastic Beast movies. He played the human character. Uh, we also have Kristen Bell, who played Zoe. Kristen Bell is fine in Spider-Man. Was she in Spider-Man? No. Maybe. I don't know. I don't think so. Let me just double check that. Uh, Jay Baruchel, who plays Windows. 
uh, Sam Huntington. Not that Sam Huntington. Not the singer. A different one. <laughs> Dude, who plays Eric? Are we talking about Sam Hunt? Oh yeah, whatever. Sam Hunt. Uh, the one who play Sam Huntington who plays Eric. Chris Marquette, Marquette, who plays Linus. Christopher McDonald, aka Shooter McGavin, who plays Big Chuck. Uh, we got other guys like David Denman, who plays Chaz. He was on The Office for a little bit. Uh, Ethan Suppley. But, I mean, and that's just, like, the main cast. That's, like, the main, like, you know, five people. But then, you know, there's tons and tons of big cam- big name cameos. We got guys like Seth Rogen, who plays literally three different roles in this movie. Oh, my God. Uh, people like Carrie Fisher, Billy D. Williams. Jay and Silent Bob. Yep, Jay and Silent Bob as Jay and Silent Bob. Uh, William Shatner. Uh, who else is there? Joe Latruglio from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Danny Trejo. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of big names. In it. Uh, Craig Robinson, Will Forte, Danny McBride. Oh, fuck me. I mean, there's some, there were some big name cameos in this movie, Yo, man. Danny Trejo, I think, I think he's part of my favorite uh, background story. The Chief? Yeah, well, you just love fucking anything Danny Trejo does, so. Hell yeah. But, but if if you do not know what Fanboys is, or if you've never seen the movie, basically the basic premise is uh, these two friends, Eric and Linus, uh, they were best friends. Them, them two, and then Hutch, Windows, and Zoe, they were all best friends in high school. And uh, when they grew up, you know... Some of them chose not to grow up, really, while Eric went off and worked for his dad, the car dealership, and they all drifted apart. But then one night at a Halloween party, you know, they meet up again, you know, they start to talk a little bit, and then uh, the next day, Windows and Hutch come and see Eric at the car dealership and basically tell him, like, hey, man, you know, Linus has terminal cancer. He's not going to survive much longer. I think you guys should make your peace. And then upon trying to make their peace, uh, you know, Eric comes up with this plan, like, hey, you know, when we were in third grade or fifth grade or something like that, you know, we had this crazy idea that we'd, we'd travel to the Skywalker Ranch and we'd break in. So... Why don't we do that now and go steal a copy of episode one to watch it? So that's basically what the movie's about. They go on this road trip to uh, with the ultimate goal of breaking into the Skywalker ranch to steal a copy of episode one. And along the way, they obviously run into some hijinks. Man, I, lo- and, I love those kind of... Oh, my bad. Oh, yeah, that's basically just... That's like the basic premise of the movie. I mean, we'll break it down a little more. You know, we'll talk like... Bits and pieces of the movie. So if you do, if you have any, if you have any plans of ever watching this movie at some point, I'd probably wait to finish this episode because I'm sure we're going to go into some spoiler territory. And you know, oh, yeah. we're, we're probably going to pick apart pieces of this movie and probably spoil some shit. So if you haven't seen it and you plan on wanting to watch it, check it out. I'd advise just turn the episode off now and then coming back after you've seen it, so we don't ruin anything for you. But. Yeah, that's the basic premise, and now we, you know, we'll start. We'll jump into things. All right. Um, the potential release 
for Fanboys was February 6, 2009. Directed by Kyle Newman. Music by Mark uh, Mouth. Oh, I don't know how to do his name. Box office is $960,828. Uh, story by something, Dan Punk. Budget, $3.9 million. I'm sorry, what was that? What was the box office again? Box office was $960,828. And what was the budget? $3.9 million. They like they want they were they made uh, how's how's that working Hollywood Magic? Yeah, they didn't uh, didn't like made a sequel or not because of that numbers. Well, I mean, it wasn't really because of. I mean, obviously, it had something to do with the box office, but the movie was kind of screwed from the get go. I mean, because with you know making a movie like Fanboys based. Off of, you know, a huge property like Star Wars. That was before. There's obviously going to be, you know, I mean, there's going to, well, that was, this movie was made between, you know, the, like the OG movies and before the prequel, before the prequels, the first prequel movie came out, basically. Or it was set during a time before, like like the movies was set in like 1998 or something like that before the first prequel movie came out. Yeah, yeah, Sean was like. 199 days before the movie was yeah it was set the period it was set the film itself was set in 1998 before you know during the the hysteria of the prequels finally dropping but uh the movie one of the thing one of the problems that the movie had was it was scrutinized by the production company they were they got scrutinized every step of the way uh, the guys who were, f- the people that were funding the movie didn't trust the filmmakers. They would shove scenes into the movie like that kind of didn't really make a lot of sense. You know what I mean? Or they were trying to shove shit into the movie that didn't really line up with what, what was happening. Uh, then they had big name, you know, with having guys like Danny McBride, Craig Robinson, Will Forte. They had them flown at the last minute. They suffered reshoots, a post-production battle, and distribution delays meant missing Star Wars' 30th anniversary, which was what they wanted to do. They wanted to release it around the 30th anniversary of Star Wars. You know I mean? To kind of tie into that. And this is what I think fucked the movie the most, is all of this reshoots and, you know, the production battles... All of that stuff happened because of one man, Harvey Weinstein. Yes, that Harvey Weinstein. Well, 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 well. he was behind all these motherfuckers. His product, his company is the one that made, gave them the budget for this movie. What the fuck, man? That's why when that's why the rights for this movie got sold, bought out by a bank because when the Weinstein company went under, they were bought out by a bank. That's why the. That's why a bank technically owns the rights to fanboys now, is because of the Weinstein company basically going under because Harvey Weinstein was a fucking creep. And they, uh, the director at one time said that the making of this movie was almost unnecessarily public. So, like, a lot of the shit they were doing for this movie was already being leaked to the to the outside. You know what I mean? 
So I'm sure that didn't help either. A lot of people not wanting to even come see it because they were already hearing so much shit about the movie. But, you know, they... Basically, Harvey Weinstein tried to use this movie as a cash-in on a diverse, passionate spectrum one might call fandom. And by the time the minimized release happened, the movie was an afterthought. afterthought. Iron Man and the Dark Knight hit the summer before. Literally the summer before Fanboys dropped. They had Iron Man and the Dark Knight. Uh... So yeah, I mean, I mean, the movie was kind of it was kind of fucked from the beginning, you know. It, it kind of like, kind of like in a way, like how the heroes in Star Wars went through like trials and tribulations. This movie went through the exact same thing. It was a pain trying to finally get the movie made, and then when it did finally get made, or when they finally started working on it, then they suffered reshoots from heart, you know, all this scrutiny from Harvey Weinstein wanting to change shit about the movie. You know, you know, fucking with the release of the movie, you know, reshooting everything, flying all these big name people out at the last minute to put them in the movie. But, you know. And then. uh, But, you know, before all that shit with. Went down with like Harvey Weinstein and all them. uh, When fanboys was like first like becoming a thing. It was just it was gonna be just another independent film. Uh and the original idea came from Ernie Klein, who or Ernest Klein, who you might know, did Ready Player One. So, you know, I mean this guy he went on to do big things, you know what I mean? But Well he's the director of the uh motherfucker uh one of the original writers for the screenplay of this movie was Ernest Klein, who dude. who went and directed uh, uh, fuck. Ready Player One, dude. I love Little Ready Player One. Yeah, me too. It's a fucking great movie. Whoop. Yeah, he uh, so it's kind of like loosely based on like his own life because he said that he survived his twenties in Ohio by clinging to the nerd culture. So uh, I got a little something here written from Ernest Klein. Uh. Just like, you know, a little comparison of like what it was like for him and kind of like what his, like what his reasoning behind like trying to create this movie. So, uh, the late 1990s was the worst time of my life. My mother had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and was ill for a little over a year. She knew she was going to die. That was the first time in my life watching somebody I loved slowly deteriorate and have time and... Oh, and have time to put their fares in order. After she passed away, I was a mess for a year. I put on 70 pounds, and I was medicating with food and movies. And that was right when Lucasfilm announced that they were making more Star Wars. That first clip of George working on the script, StarWars.com, would release videos that they were entering pre-production. It was like hearing that a new chapter of the Bible had just been recorded discovered it became my way to distract myself over losing my mom i was working tech support and doing web design so i was in front of the internet all day looking at prequel websites 
Then one day it occurred to me, what if I was in my mom's position, and I knew I was dying and wasn't going to live to see this movie. As soon as I had the idea, it occurred to me that's the stupidest thought to ever pass through my head. But I had mentioned this to another Star Wars geek, and he said, I think about that every day. I'm actually a much safer driver now, especially on highways and around big trucks, because I don't want to miss episode one. Oh, my God. So, I mean, he used he used his own, like, struggles in life, like the own, his own tragedy he went with there with his mom as a reason behind making this movie. So, I mean, the movie should have been... It, I Honestly, I think if they would have given the movie to anybody other than Harvey Weinstein's company, I think the movie would have taken off, honestly. Oh, definitely. It, it was like, uh, you know, Janice and Bob were for more for the older fans, like... The, more the people that hear, like, they see all curse words and shit. Fanboy was probably for the teens and the kids that love Star Wars but couldn't watch Jane on the Bob kind of situation. Jane and Silent Bob didn't really have anything to do with Star Wars, though. Um, like, you know how Kevin Smith's a big Star Wars fan? Yeah, but that doesn't, that's, that comparison doesn't make any sense, though. Oh, I was just. Just put my two cents in there. <laughs> True. Did you forget that in Fanboys, they literally pick up hookers? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, the movie was made for adults, too. It was made for everybody. It was made just for Star Wars fans. And, I mean, the Star Wars culture itself is so fucking big that, like, a movie about just regular fanboys should have taken off. Oh, dude. This shit, There's like... no reason this movie should have failed. Or it, had all these, it had all the reasons to take off. But that... The biggest anchor holding it down was Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein fucked this movie. If it would have been given to anybody but him, I think the movie would have taken off. Oh, definitely. And we would have been talking about a completely different movie right now because it would have been, you know what I mean? It would have been huge. We probably would have already gotten a sequel by now. But, I mean, the movie got fucked by... He's... The, Harvey Weinstein is the villain in this story. He's the Darth Vader in this story. He's the one that fucked everything up. He took what essentially is a great idea for a movie and he ruined it by, you know, being a money man. That's why movies like this should be written and directed and funded by fans because only fans know what the movies could be. Harvey Weinstein, I guarantee, is not a fan of Star Wars. He probably doesn't even know what the fuck Star Wars is. (laughs) So he took this movie and he was just like, oh, I'm going to make money off this movie, so let me push all this unnecessary shit into this movie and make it just one fucking giant cameo-filled movie. Filled with bullshit. Which, I mean, don't get me wrong, I fucking love the movie. I think it's great, but... It wasn't... The movie itself isn't the problem. I think it's... Like, the fact that they kept... He kept fucking with the movie being... Making it be pushed back, like, the release date... I think all of that is what ultimately killed this movie. Because you can't premiere your movie the summer after big hitters like The Dark Knight and Iron Man drop. Because that's what started basically the superhero phase. You know what I mean? Those two movies basically, they they like kicked off, you know, what we're still in, the superhero age. So nobody wants to go and watch a movie about oh. Star Wars fanboys. Oh, shit. I just, I just typed in 2008 movies. As you said, The Dark Knight. 
like I like the Dark Knight, but I don't like how they did. I don't like how they did with Joker at the end of that movie. What do you mean, dude? It was a perfect way. Like, like, like you never knew what happened to him. Like, um, the same year, you got Semi Pro, Will Ferrell, um, all them stupid uh, spoof movies like this. Uh, some uh, su- the, the superhero movie. It was from the same uh, company that made the uh, scary movie franchise. Of course, um, our man Robert Patterson as Trinkle uh, Vampire. Shut the fuck up, Drew. You watched every single one of those movies. Dude, you loved them. I loved them. Exactly. I don't Come at me, brah. Exactly. You can't you can't sit over there and talk shit when you loved every single one of those movies. Well, um, yeah, that was 2008 movies was like the year of the superheroes again. Yeah, I, it kicked off the superhero phase. And um, I think one of my favorite Jim Carrey movies was in that era, too. Yes. Yes, man. Yeah, but I mean, even that movie didn't do as big as it should have. Because you, you know what I mean? Like, premiering your movie about Star Wars fanboys a year after the superhero genre has been kicked off, nobody wants to watch a movie like that anymore. They want to watch a superhero movie. Oh, yeah, that's very true. So if they would have dropped fanboys, like, maybe, like, the year before, or like, the Dark after- Knight... Or Iron Man, guarantee that movie would have done a lot better. Because, I mean, after you get that taste of, like, Iron Man and Dark Knight, you don't want to just go watch a regular movie about a bunch of guys, a bunch of fucking grown adults who are obsessed with Star Wars, you know what I mean? That's not a, there's not a market for that anymore. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Because when did the the prequel movies come out? The 90s, right? Uh, I looked it up right now. Yeah, I looked it up. Because I'm pretty sure they came out, I'm pretty sure they ended by the end of the 90s, like the last prequel movie. So in between then and, you know, whenever the Disney trilogy started, there was no Star Wars content at all in between that. Well, no movies at least. Uh, the Star Wars Episode 1 was in uh, 1999. Yeah. Uh, number 2... Number two was in 2002. Okay. Number three was in uh, 2005. Almost every three years you see a new Star Wars movie. And then... Uh, Fanboys. Fanboys came out. came out in 2009, right? Yeah. Yeah, so after... So, 2006, or what... 2008 is when Iron Man and Dark Knight came out, right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Wait. Uh, let me see. Yeah. So yeah, between 2005 to whenever the uh, whenever the Disney street trilogy started, there was no Star Wars movies at all in between that time. So I mean, you drop a movie in 2009. About a bunch of grown men who set out to get their hands on a copy of Episode One. Nobody's gonna want to watch a movie like that anymore because Star Wars at that time wasn't very relevant. You know what I mean? That yeah. was the start of the superhero age. Uh, Iron Man One. It was released May second, two thousand eight. Yeah, I mean that was the that basically people will tell you. Everyone's gonna tell you that Iron Man kicked off the MCU. Oh, oh, hell yeah. So that was the start of the that was the start of the superhero age. Nobody wanted to watch a movie about Star Wars anymore. 
Star Wars wasn't relevant until Disney brought it back in the in their trilogies. Or in their trilogy. I mean, it was relevant, but there... I mean, obviously, there's still an uh, audience for Star Wars because the movie did make money, but there wasn't a big enough audience for it to make its, you know, I mean, make its budget back or even break even, kind of. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's... Yeah. It ultimately is what screwed the movie is being released when it was and uh, the Weinstein company fucking with the movie as much as they did ultimately screwed this movie from the beginning. Yeah, that's true. Um, back in 2008, like when, when Fanboys came out, oh, 09, like, yeah, I was a Star Wars fan then. Like, I didn't really care for it because, Bat- because Batman came out, Iron Man came out. I, I, I was more I was more worried about those movies than actually watching, like, how you said Average Joe's just trying to break into George Lucas' house. Yeah, like, the concept itself, like, if you if you dropped a movie like that now, like, when we're filled with Star Wars shit, guarantee that movie would be a hit. Guarantee it. Because Star Wars is huge again. It's a huge thing, you know? I mean, everybody's watching Star Wars. Oh, like, from the uh, Book of Boba Fett, from from Mandalorian, Mandalorian? Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Uh, I forget the, the other ones they had, the cartoon one. Yeah, well, you don't have to name every single one of them, Drew. I'm just saying, Star Wars is a lot bigger now than it was when this movie dropped. So if you dropped a movie like that now, guarantee it would take off. I guarantee it. But, you know what I mean? When you dropped it then, Star Wars wasn't as big. You know what I mean? It was, it had an audience, but it didn't have an, a big enough audience to make a difference. And a company like the Weinstein Company is going to see this movie fail the way it did. And they're not going to say, you know what? Well, why don't we try again and do another one? No, they're going to say, scrap it, we're done. But, I mean, the concept itself sounds awesome. Oh, oh fuck yeah. Like a bunch of guys go on a road trip to to break into Skywalker Ranch to get their hands on a copy of Episode 1. Like, that, just saying that sounds fucking awesome. Like, that's something I would 100% watch. That is what led me to watch Fanboys for the first time anyways. But the funny thing is, for me... I watched Fanboys, and I had never seen a Star Wars movie ever. <laughs> and, like, I watched it, and I, like, loved it even without knowing anything about Star Wars. And I'm like, why is everybody so obsessed with Star Wars? So, I'm like, years later, I finally watched the Star Wars movies, and I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. I'm like, now I understand. But, I mean, that's... Basically, this whole rant that I just went on is basically just to say... This movie had the potential to be great. It had the story to be great. The cast works super well together. They all seem like they're actually friends in real life. You know what I mean? Like, even the supporting characters are great. Even with all the extra cameos, it's still great. It's still a great watch. I mean, I've watched it probably eight or nine times now, and I, I've never, I never got bored of it. I still enjoy it. So, I mean, this movie had all the ingredients to be great. Except it was given to the wrong people to be produced. You know, I mean, the the people that funded this movie is what ultimately killed it, I think. Oh, fuck yeah. Because you can't have a movie made by people who are only going to see that movie as a money grab. You know what I mean? Like, the cool thing with, like, Marvel movies is a lot of people that work on Marvel movies are Marvel fans. So a lot of them are like, oh, now I know what Marvel fans want to see in these movies because I've read the source material. You know what I mean? 
Same with like Star Wars, like John Favreau, who works on a lot of the Star Wars shows. He's a huge Star Wars fan, so he knows the shit that people want to see. So he's able to, you know, give them kind of like what they want. Whereas the Harvey Weinstein company probably didn't even know what the fuck Star Wars was. I bet. I bet. They're just like, oh, this is just a movie that's going to make me money. So, you know, let's fuck with everything and make it not a Star Wars film anymore. But you know, the another cool thing. Uh, another cool thing that uh, before they ended up working with the the Weinstein company, Ernest Klein was actually going to try and make fanboys himself. He saved up like twenty thousand dollars. Borrowed, borrowed one of the first digital cameras that came out, and everything he knew about making movies from came from listening to laser disc and laser disc and DVD commentary tracks. He said he bought a van for like eight hundred dollars that did not run very well. It used to belong to some rock band in Austin. Uh, he said he had a big Rebel Alliance logo painted on the side and shot some footage. He said that footage wasn't good. <laughs> but it was crazy because he has shots from this test footage that are identical to shots in the final movie. And he said, oh, I don't know anything about makeup. I don't know anything about lighting. I don't really have a crew. But I think that uh, that changed everything was that. the But the thing that changed everything was that I wrote a part for Harry Knowles, the Ain't It Cool News founder, which was like a Star Wars blog back in the day he wrote a part for Harry Knowles to play himself in the script and in the finished film Ethan Hupley Ethan Suppley portrays Knowles in a pivotal cameo role but Ernest said he knew Harry and what Harry knew about me then was that I was a huge Buckaroo Banzai fan because he read my Buckaroo Banzai fan script fun fact Buckaroo Banzai was what Parzival was the what Parzival wore the first time he met uh, Artemis in Ready Player One. The first time he went and met her, he wore that suit from Buckaroo Banzai. But uh, he also said that before he moved to Austin, he was teaching himself to write screenplays, ordering them from Script City before he could download them. Uh, he said every time he would watch The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the Eighth Dimension... It would end with him being pissed off because they promised a sequel at the end. And I'm like, they're never going to make that. That's clear. And then he said, out of geek compulsion, I said, I'm going to write Buckaroo Banzai against the Crime League. Just to have the movie play out in my head. I did. That was my first screenplay. And I wrote it in like a month and a half. Just after work and on the weekends. And I had a blast. It poured out of me. Uh, He said he put it on the internet. And that was when he discovered... There were other Buckaroo Banzai fans because they all started to email him. A lot of them thought it was real. Uh, Then when he went to Seattle for the National Poetry Slam, he went to a comic book shop there and they had a bunch of unproduced screenplays for sale. And there was Buckaroo Banzai against the World Crime League by me. And he said, wow, people really think that it's professional enough? Uh, And then he said... Without connections to Hollywood, Klein turned to one of his only industry connections, Harry Knowles, the head of the first wave of outsider film internet geek critics, and whose career recently came under fire after a series of misconduct allegations. 
But uh, he said he gave the fanboy script to Harry, and he didn't read it. Uh, he kept asking him about it, and finally one night, he was in the bathtub. He told me he sat there, and he read the whole thing in the tub. Then he went to the computer. He wrote this glowing advent- glowing review of the script. He said it was the best piece of writing he had ever read about what it means to be a fan and to love cinema. He said he woke up the next day and his inbox was flooded. So, I mean, he reached out to this guy, Henry Knowles, who was, like, big in, like, Hollywood back then. It was his only connection. He said, hey, man, I got the script. I want you to read it. He kept pestering him about it. Guy finally read the script, and he said, yo, this is the greatest thing I've ever read. And, you know, that started the journey of fanboys. So kind of like the fanboys themselves in the movie... Ernest Klein went on his own road trip hoping that that would end with Skywalker Ranch. Well, his own version of Skywalker Ranch. <sighs> but, you know, I mean, it goes, there's, there's tons of shit on here. I mean, I found an article, there's tons of shit from like different point of views from like the directors, some of the producers, I'm like what they thought of the film when it was first coming up. Uh, you know, some of the writers, I'm not going to go through it all because there's tons of it and I don't want to, I don't want to go through all, you know, I mean, I don't want to read through all of it for you guys. But another really cool thing that I like about Fanboys is one of the creators, or one of the guys who worked on the movie, uh, was Adam F. Goldberg, who, uh, created, uh, the show, The Goldbergs for ABC, loosely based on his own life. So, I mean, that guy, he, once he joined, he was, like, a huge part of the movie, you know what I mean? He, he, but he, like, campaigned for the movie hard, and back in 2020, when they had the reunion, he, uh, he started asking fans to reach out to this bank that he owned the rights to fanboys, and asked them to sell it to Netflix so that they could make a sequel, and they even hit Adam F. Goldberg said he even they even had an idea for a sequel, and it'd be fanboys. Uh, it'd be like fanboys, but for Batman vs Superman. Like that was gonna be their next idea for like the next the next for like the sequels. It'd be like it'd be the same movie, same cast, and everything. But instead of going after Star Wars, it'd be them going after Batman vs Superman. Oh my god! <laughs> so I mean, like with the. With the basic idea like that, you can do that with anything, you know what I mean? If you make it just fanboys, you can do it for any fandom, you know what I mean? Which is, gives you endless possibilities. But, I mean, the movie was great, man. I mean, the cast loved each other. I mean, most of the cast, once they read the script for the first time, they were all, they were in 100%, you know what I mean? I mean, they all, they all were pretty quick to uh, get involved. And they were pretty excited. And uh, he, Ernie Ernie Klein said that one of the... He thinks that one of the reasons Harvey picked up the movie is because... Uh, because he thought, you know, because of like the movies that Kevin Smith was making. A movie like Fanboys is something they can make money on. So that's basically why he bought the right... That's why he agreed to like produce and shit because... That he, uh, that he, um, because they had made, they had made money off of movies like that before. 
But I mean, I don't want to go too deep into like any of that shit. You know, I mean, there's like tons and tons. There's like tons of information about like shit they have behind the scenes and like what they're like everything they went through to get the movie made. And I don't want to go through all that stuff because I feel like that stuff's kind of boring. I mean, if you want to research that stuff yourself, I mean, I'll send you guys a link for it. But <clears throat> I want to talk about the movie itself. I want to talk about some of the shit the guys go through in this movie that I think makes it stand out as such a good movie. And uh, we're pro- we're probably going to be all over the place with this. You know what I mean? I don't want to go through bit by bit. So, I mean, we'll just come up with like... We'll just take shit out of the movie that and talk about that, you know what I mean, and not do it really in order. Because the first thing I want to talk about is uh, when their van breaks down, <laughs> before they meet the chief, when they go to that bar... The bar. Air quotes, bar. <laughs> and that guy tells them they owe $100 for a glass of water. And they're like, oh, we're not going to pay it. And then they find out that they're actually at a gay bar. <laughs> and the bikers make them dance. They make them strip on stage. I, dude, I'm, It's one of the most insane things I've ever seen. Like, it doesn't make any sense for it to even be in the movie. But it's so fucking funny. Like, of course these dudes' van's going to break down, and the only thing that's going to be close to them is going to be a fucking gay biker bar where they have to strip for fucking to, you know, not get killed. And it's, I think it's hilarious when they're dancing and, like, uh, Hutch, Diane Fogler's character, he's like, all right, that's it. Nobody puts baby in the corner. You guys want some of this? You want some of this? And he starts stripping. I think it's fucking hilarious, dude. Yeah, everyone looked at him. And then he pulls his dick. He fucking pulls his pants down. Everybody just everybody freezes and they start laughing. I mean, one of the best things about the movie for me is the cast, honestly. I mean, that cast is outstanding, man. They all get along so great. You feel like they're actually like they've actually been friends for years. Which I think is very hard to find with a movie. You know, I th- I think it takes a lot for people to have that much chemistry with each other on one movie. Like, obviously, like, people in, like, the MCU, a lot of those guys have tons of chemistry together. But that's because a lot of them have been working together for years in the same universe. You know what I mean? I feel like it's a lot harder to come into one movie and, boom, just click at that well and have that much chemistry after, you know, just working on this one movie together. I think that's one of the best things about the movie is the cast and the way that they all work together and that, you know, they, it feels like you're actually watching like real friends going on an adventure. Yeah. Being fucking weird and trying to break into Skywalker ranch because of course, of all things, why not break into fucking George Lucas's house? They get a fucking copy of episode one, but Drew, what do you, what? Let's talk about some of the parts that you like. What are some parts that you like of the movie? You know, I like the part when Hutch um, was at the store, comic book store. He was doing his Jedi mind trick. You will take your shirt off. You want to take your shirt <laughs> off. <laughs> nope. You want to take your shirt off. You want to take that shirt off? <laughs> yeah, that shit's you know, um, you know, before, like, we used to compare ourselves to uh, characters. I... My character would be Hutch. Uh, uh, Sean's character would be uh, Windows. Oh, my God. That's all right, because Windows ends up with Zoe in the end. 
you know, it was, it was funny. Uh, I know I'm dropping, I'm dropping when they went to Vegas and where Hutch and Wendell's pick up the prostitute, the escorts. He's like, he does a dread that mind trick. You will take your shirt off. <laughs> yeah, they pick up these hookers and he tries the mind trick again and it fucking works and he's like all amazed thinking he's got it and shit. It's pretty funny. Yeah, the whole, the whole fucking scene was funny as hell. I mean, she's Seth Rogen's character. Like, he right, plays the pimp. He plays the pimp. It's Come. even one of the funniest things about Seth Rogen is the pimp is when he pulls his shirt up and he's got a fucking tattoo of Jar Jar Binks. And he's like, I'm telling you, man, Jar Jar Binks, he's going to be the shit. That shit was fucking hilarious, dude. And it's even funnier, like, if you know anything about Star Wars because you know that Jar Jar Binks was, in fact, not a hit and people fucking hated it. <clears throat> but it's so funny, dude. Um, another great part from the movie is when... Uh... Oh, I'm sorry. I just farted. <laughs> what the <laughs> from here? What the But uh, another one of my other favorite parts is when Eric tries to go over to Hutch's carriage house, as he calls it, to, you know, apologize to Linus and try to make up to him. They go out to the driveway and they start arguing about... And, uh, he says they say something about Luke and Leia kissing, and yeah, like they're like arguing about it. And Linus gets in his car and he's like, "They were siblings. They were siblings. You sick fuck." It's <laughs> fucking great, dude. Um, I think my other favorite part, of course, because how Sean said it, if any of Danny Trejo is in it, I like the part where uh, where. Where he comes out, he he's himself in the third person. Yeah, the chief came fix your car. The chief likes to refer to himself in the third, third person. person. And to give him some, oh, what was it, coyote or peyote? Peyote. Peyote. <laughs> to help with Linus's cancer. Yeah, what, you know, they never mentioned what kind of cancer he had. I don't think it really mattered, man. I think it was just, the cancer was kind of like their way to, you know. Their way of like making them go on the trip, but I think another thing that I like about the movie is it also kind of reminds me of one of my other favorite movies that I feel like didn't get a lot of love, and that's uh, the movie Without a Paddle. Oh, dude! Because like just like within Fanboys, Without a Paddle is just you know a bunch of guys who decide to go on a trip, but instead of going on a trip with their friend. You know, to take him on a trip before he dies, they go on this trip to honor their friend. But in Without a Paddle, instead of going to break into Luke's, into Skywalker Ranch, they go to try and find out what ha- where D.B. Cooper land, landed, because that was like a big thing in their childhood. Yeah, Seth Green was funny in that one. Yeah, he was great in that movie. You know, uh, my favorite part in that movie was um, where they all were cuddled up with each other at the, uh, inside a cave, and like. The one guy's like, yeah, I imagine these girls probably making out with each other because it's the rain. Oh, yeah, it makes them get a boner. (laughs) But uh, my other favorite part, because how how Sean said we're going to just be jumping. Favorite part. My favorite part was uh, the Trekkies versus... versus, uh, Oh, yeah, that was a great one. When they take a detour on their trip to go to... uh, Some place where... uh, To go to some place where... uh, you know, we're like the 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 Star Trek community is like huge, and obviously, you know anything about Star Trek and Star Wars? Their fanboys feud a lot, 
But that was our first appearance. That was our first cameo of Seth Rogen, where he played the lead truckie, or as he said that he liked to call, they like to refer to themselves as truckers. But <laughs> it was pretty fucking. I mean, that was a great part too. I mean, they all they start fighting and shit, and then on their way peeling out of there, one of the guys is like, "Oh, Han Solo's still a bitch." And fucking, and then Hutch. Hutch backs up and runs over their statue. And he's like, "Nobody calls Han Solo a bitch." <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's uh, a good part too. Uh, I'm trying to think of like another good part. Oh, uh, one of the one of my favorite scenes is when they're when they after they get arrested, when they're in the jail cell and Hutch has to take a shit, so he uses everybody's ham sandwiches to lay him down on the seat <laughs> so he doesn't have to sit on it. Yeah, that show was too funny. It was even funnier because they made a callback to that later in the movie when they're in the Skywalker Ranch, when they're walking out the stairs. Eric's like Hutch, and he's like, "Yeah, he's like your ass still smells like ham and cheese." <laughs> <laughs> that was another great scene. Uh, my uh, other yeah, well, the ham the ham story. Do you know the, that cop? He played in Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, I said that earlier. He did. Yes. Uh, I because I wasn't paying attention. But uh, after they get arrested, when they go to meet the judge, that's when we get our cameo. One of the biggest cameos in the movie, my man, Billy D. Williams, a.k.a. I forgot his fucking name now. What's his name again? Ah, uh, fuck, what was it? I can't think of it now. Oh, Lando. Lando Calrissian. Han Solo. You know the guy who Han Solo won the Millennium Falcon from? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Billy D. Williams? Yeah. Lando Calrissian. That's what it is. I couldn't remember it again. And then, yeah, they, uh... Yeah, you know, this judge, like, lets him go and shit after Zoe comes and bails him out of jail. And, uh... The reason that the judge lets him go is because Eric's father, Big Chuck, calls and talks to him about it. But then he also gives Eric a message where he says, you know... Uh, you come home now, or you're fired. And that's when you know. That's when we get kind of like the middle point of the movie, where like Drew calls like the downfall of the movies. Hell yeah! That's kind of where we get it. We're like, like kind of like in the Star Wars movie too. Like our great hero Eric is like stuck in like a position where he has to make a decision: does he go home and abandon his friends, or does he go to Vegas and potentially lose it on everything that he's worked for? Dun 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 dun. Plot twist. And that's when I was gonna save this till the end, but I'll say it now. That's when we get one of my favorite quotes of all time. I know I say that like every week, but I mean this one for real. This is really one of my favorite ones. Oh, uh, they're basically they're sitting there on on this cliff, like all the guys, and uh, you know, uh. Eric says, "Oh, I don't know what I'm. I don't know what I'm supposed to do." And Hutch says, "You got to find your Death Star, Eric." Okay, I'll bite. And then Hutch says, "Greatest deed Luke Skywalker ever did was take down the Death Star, right?" As far as I'm concerned, that's what everybody needs. You need that one badass thing that lets you live on forever. You know, that is one of my favorite things ever. Like one of my favorite quotes of all time. Like it's that quote, like. It's such a big quote, like, you know, you can use it in, like, everyday life, too. Like, everybody needs, like, their Death Star, you know, that one thing that helps them live on forever. 
Like, that's crazy. I mean, I think that's one of the best things about that movie, too, is that not only is it a movie for, like, Star Wars fans, but it's just, like, a good, like, heartwarming movie, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of... You know what I mean? Like, the movie... You watch the movie for the first time, and it makes you feel shit. Like, Drew, did you feel shit when you watched it for the first time? Yeah. Because I remember that first time I felt it, man, my heart... I was like... I was like, damn, this movie's kind of hitting me in a way. You know what I mean? Because, like, spoiler alert, after they finally do get to uh, the Skywalker Ranch, they break in. They find a copy of Episode One on George Lucas's laptop. They start watching it, but before they even get past the, the rolling credits, like the rolling words, security catches them. And, you know, after a long standoff with security saying, you know... Linus is going to break the Millennium Falcon into a billion pieces, or Eric's going to drop this. I forgot what he had in his hand. Uh, then the security guard picks up the Yoda puppet, and he says, oh, I'm going to smash this puppet. And then Zoe threatens to burn uh, the Ewok head. And then after that, they they all get sat down in this like this little conference room. George Lucas calls the security guys. And, you know, tells him that, you know, they're going to let him go for free. He's not going to press charges, but they got to answer a quit. They got to go through, like, questions first to make sure that, to make sure that, you know, they're actually Star Wars fans. And, I mean, some of the questions are just like, you know, I don't, I don't even remember the questions, honestly. It's like, like the planet, then Danny McBride says, um. Oh, yeah, then Danny McBride hits windows with, uh. Where is a woman's G-spot located? <laughs> so, I mean, it's pretty funny. And it's just like, that's got nothing to do with Star Wars. But, I mean, it's pretty funny. And then, you know, uh, because it's the Skywalker Ranch, the security is so, like, you know, deep. They know basically everything about them. So, before they let him go, they say, hey, you know, George Lucas said, you guys can watch episode one. And then they all start freaking out. But then he's like, no, only Linus, because they know Linus has cancer, and they know he's not going to make it to see the movie in theaters. So they let him watch it. Uh, then while they're waiting for him, he comes out. Uh, you know, he doesn't say anything. Doesn't tell him how the movie is. And then uh, it flash forwards a little bit to them, uh, like, camping. Like, I think they, like, stopped to camp on their way home. And, you know... And something I forgot to mention earlier is before Eric, like, grew up and, like, became, like, you know, Mr. Professional and shit, he uh, used to, like, write comic books and shit. He used to, like, write and edit comic books. So he starts doing that again. Like, he starts writing one, like, on their way home. And, you know, him and Linus are talking about it. And he's just like, hey, man, you know, I'm I'm sorry for everything. And Linus is just like, you know, it's it's all right, man. You know? And, like, they kind of, like, make their peace. And then Eric gets up to go sit with the rest of, sit with everybody else. Yeah, they're recording out there. Oh, Zach squared, I think. But, uh, yeah, he gets up to go sit with everybody else. And Li- and he's like, oh, you want to come with me? And Linus is like, no, I'm good. I'm good right here. And then flash forward, like, what is it, like, six months later or something like that? No, um, like, a hundred days later. Oh, yeah, okay. And then it's Eric, Zoe, and Windows camped outside of a theater in line waiting to see episode one. And Linus is obviously 
passed on now. And then, you know, they call Hutch to come over, who Hutch has now started his own business, the Hutch Touch, a detailing company. So, I mean, I think it's like, it's kind of like, you know, you would think like the great ending is that Linus finally gets, Linus gets to see the movie before he dies. You know what I mean? You'd think that's like the big, like, reveal in this movie. But I think the big reveal of this movie is that, you know, Linus gets his best friend back before he goes. You know what I mean? Like him and his best friend get to be, you know, they get to be back in each other's lives before he passes on. I think that's like the biggest thing of the movie. And then, you know, they, Eric decides to be, Eric writes his own comic book. Uh, it's called Rush Intergalactic something something. Something something. They meet two nerds at Star Wars movies who tell him that the, the comic book sucks. His big brother comes up. And then out. his big brother comes up and he's like, nerds. He's like, ask the man for an autograph. Ask him for an autograph. All right, and basically they get an autograph and he's like, all right, nerd buckets. Back to the back to the end of the line. <laughs> and then you get a little funny exchange between Eric and his brother. Where Go ahead, Drew. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go no, ahead. I was going to say. Um, yeah, go ahead. The funny exchange was um, he looks at his brother. He's like, what are you doing here? It's the wars, man. <laughs> yeah. So you get like this funny little reveal that his brother was also in the Star Wars this entire time. So I mean, yeah. I mean, like I said, when I first seen the movie, I had never seen Star Wars before, and I still loved it. So I think fanboys has an audience for people outside of Star Wars fandom, because I think at the core of the movie, it's just about you know, you know, it's just about not letting go of your childhood. You know, what I mean, it's about growing up, but not growing up. Too much. Yeah, um, I was getting. You remember how earlier I was saying Christian Bell was in Spider Man? No, it was Christian Dunce. Yeah, you fucking idiot. Hey, dude, they had the same name. Guess who's Christian Bell married to? Yeah, I know. Dax Shepard. Where love the fuck you man. been at? I don't know. I love that man. But, um. You don't even know him from anything. Yeah. Where do you know him from? From, um. From. Exactly. Okay, okay. I, I was about to say from your mom's house, but she's my cousin. Yeah, she might kill me for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Dude, I know him from something. I'm not... You don't know him from shit. Shut up. You shut What were you going to say? Uh, your face. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, he wasn't really nothing. Uh, like... All right, man. We, did you really have something to say, or were you just fucking around? I was just fucking around. Okay, well... Now, uh, I want to get back to a little talk about what they would have done with a sequel, or what they will do with a sequel if they ever get the chance to make one. Uh, back in 2020, when talking to comicbook.com, Jay Barrow's shell said that they would, he would 100% be down for a sequel. Uh, he said they had even talked about it when they were shooting fanboys. Uh... He said, we had basically all but come up with an entire sequel while we were shooting it. I remember that one of the big reveals, if we did a part two, it was going to be our dark one. It was going to be our empire. It would have started with a big snowball fight with us as kids. And then the big reveal was going to be that Windows was actually a Star Trek fan. And that he liked Star Wars as a function of being friends with these guys. But in fact, it's about the fanboys losing Windows to the Trekkie culture. And that comes mostly from me being a Star Trek guy more than a Star Wars person. 
So I mean, they, I mean, there has always been talks of sequels, like as early as twenty twenty. I mean, they're one of the original create, one of the original uh, screenplay writers, Adam F. Goldberg. Uh, he's been campaigning for a sequel for a while. So is most of the original cast. I mean, it's just now at this point, I think it's just like a matter of getting this bank who owns the rights to the movie to sell those rights to, say, someone like Netflix. Because I think if Netflix got these rights, I feel like Netflix is the kind of company that would take a risk on a movie like this because I feel like they've done that a lot with like properties, you know what I mean? They've taken risks. I feel like they're the only ones that'll take a risk on a property, you know what I mean? Like because, you know, they they, they have it. They, they have the money to risk it, you know what I mean? So I think Netflix would be like the perfect spot for a fanboy sequel. And I think if you got it made, I think enough people would tune into it that it would make it would be profitable. You know what I mean? You like that new Medea movie on Netflix? Yeah, I I mean, after the last Medea movie that he made regular, he said, "Oh, that's it. I'm hanging up Medea. I'm done forever." They made a new one. People fucking flocked right to Netflix to watch it. You know what I mean? It's a hot commodity. Yo, dude, and and the new Medea movie, uh, you actually hear Medea swear, dude. That was part of the best moment. But uh. Yeah, like like I said earlier, um, the th- when working on the movie, uh, they had gone through a bunch of delays during production, which uh, included an alternate cut in which the cancer plot had been removed, only for those scenes to be placed back into the movie for its theatrical release. The film even impressed George Lucas enough for him to allow authentic sound effects from the franchise to be used. So, like, I mean, do you know what it's got to take to impress George Lucas himself, dude? Oh, also, I forgot to mention, William Shatner's also in the movie. I forgot to mention that Dude, part. Will Shatner gives you the plans. <laughs> yeah, he gives them the, the he gives them their plans on how they're going to sneak into Skywalker Ranch, which is pretty <laughs> funny because, you know, he's a Star Trek guy helping them break into George Lucas's place <laughs> in Star Wars. Was, I thought that was kind of funny. It was kind of like a dig at them, kind of. Uh, yo, you know what's also funny about that? <laughs> like... When they get caught, like, who, so who sends you? Will uh, Will Stratner? No, no. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, to uh, you know, go on a little more about a little more that Barrow Shell said when talking about a potential sequel. He said, uh, "I think people don't necessarily necessarily realize how thin a, a line there is between a riff, a riff, and a thing that becomes a movie sometimes." So I can't say that there's a script or anything, but I also don't know if you got all of us. I think every single one of us would answer the same thing and that we'd do it again if there was such a thing. Our tugs, tongues are always in our cheek, but I think we also enjoy each other's companies and we would do it in a heartbeat. So, I mean, you know, like I said, there's always, there's always going to be talk there about them doing another one. It's just the matter of... Will they ever get the chance to make another one? Because the the cast itself, I mean, they most of them have already said multiple times that they'd be down to come back, and it's just a matter of will it actually ever get made. But uh, now talking a little bit about what Adam F. Goldberg said about you know a sequel, he said uh, he recently revealed. That he's meeting with the original film's director, Kyle Newman, to discuss possibilities for Fanboys 2. 
and it sounds like it could focus on an attempt to steal the elusive Snyder Cut of Justice League, which would probably be need to be changed up a little bit now that Snyder Cut has been released. But... He also, Goldberg also said that if Ernest Klein, the writer of Ready Player One, who helped come up with the story and co-wrote the screenplay, is up for writing a sequel, then he's in. So yeah, he said, I mean, it's just a matter, kind of, I mean, I don't want to get too excited, you know what I mean? Because, you know. But you know. I mean, we got to hold out that little bit of hope that it might be made. The only thing I'd be worried about is if they try to make a fanboys too, and it's a completely different cast. I don't want that. I don't want that at all. I would kind of want them to do something like what the new Scream did, which in that movie they coined it a requel, which is like a sequel, but it's also kind of a reboot of the franchise, but it brings back legacy characters like they did also in Halloween 2018. If they did something like that, I think they could pull it off, but an entire new cast, I think, wouldn't work. It would be, you know, I mean, I think it would be too much change. But, I mean, that's just me speaking. That's just a guy who legit hates most reboots speaking, so, I mean, maybe I'm just too harsh on reboots. No, you know. Probably not. Most of them are trash. You, as soon as he finds out there's a reboot, oh, son, I'm going to fucking burn down Hollywood. Yeah, well, I mean, most, almost every reboot I've ever seen was trash, so. Like the Red Dawn reboot, that shit was fucking trash. Shit was hot garbage. But, you know, that's all I got to say about the topic of fanboys. Drew, got anything else you want to add? Yeah, um, fanboys, like, I knew what, I knew the movie was about fanboys. Um, it's, it's a really good movie. If you like an action-adventure type of movies, like hijinks, shenanigans... Kind of kind of movie. Check out Fanboys on Amazon Prime. Next guy that says shenanigans is going to get pissed to whip. Hey, uh, Farva. Hey, Farva, what's that restaurant you like with all that goofy shit, shit on the wall? Is that with shenanigans? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, by the way, since Drew didn't get much chance to talk this episode, kind of, I feel like Drew doesn't get a much chance to talk a lot of the times when we do a movie breakdown episode. But that could also just be because of my love for movies so much. Or is it? Or so, just, I, so or, I do apologize for that. Yeah, you know, or is just because when when we come down to our movie topic, it always falls on his time. Always. Do I did I did Chris Farley. Yeah, but before we get out of here, I will. I do want to ask you this, Drew. What were like your third? Like, give me like a rundown of like what your first like reactions were the first time you seen the movie. My first like, time. I want to know your unfiltered thoughts of the first time you watched it. The first time I watched it? Because I know you did call me and we talked about it a little bit, but I want to know, like, what you thought from, like, start to finish. It was it was actually a good, solid movie. Like, it just kept, it just, every part, it was like, oh, man, it's kind of getting cool. Huh. I liked it. If you had to, like, if you absolutely had to, like, give it a rating between 1 and 10, what do you think you'd give wait, it? Wait, 10? That's too high. Like, 1 and 5? Yeah, whatever. I don't know. I'll, I'll give like no, a... No, it's like a regular rating. That's how they rate all movies on really? sites. They really? rate between 1 and 10, yeah. Um, It's like a pizza review, but for a movie. Oh, pizza review. That's movie review time. Frankie, you know the rules? Oh, it doesn't work that way. Uh, One rating. Frankie, you know the rules. <laughs> um, uh, I'll probably have to say... Uh, 
A 7.5. That's not bad. That's pretty good, actually. Because I like Star Wars, but it was just a certain part, like, all right, we get that. We get you guys a joke. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, with a lot of movies, not every joke is going to hit as well as they think it will, but I feel like fanboys didn't, like, overproduce a lot of shit, you know what I mean? I feel like a lot of their material was kind of fresh in a way, you know what I mean? Oh, definitely, for sure. But also, before we leave, also one of my favorite scenes uh, is the guy who plays Linus. I'm really jealous of that kid because he gets to fucking kiss Carrie Fisher on the lips. That's a true badass right there. Oh, yeah. I'm fucking jealous of that kid. I'm jealous of the motherfucker. Yo, uh, before we go, uh, you know one funny part I liked? When Wendell's was talking with his online girlfriend. Oh, oh, uh, oh I can't wait. Rogue leader? Yeah, I can't wait to meet her. And then he meets her and she's 10. He's like, he's like how old are you? <laughs> I think you're 12. No, I'm actually 10. Then uh, like later that was funny. Uh, later that day, uh, later that scene. Uh, yeah, Ethan Suppley's character, Harry, Harry Knowles. It was his niece. He comes out and he beats her shit out of windows. Yeah, dude. It's fucking hilarious. Yo, I, I, like, I, I like uh, Ethan Suppley or whatever his Ethan name is. Ethan Suppley? Yeah. He, play, he played amazing on Butterfly Effect. Yeah, he's a great... Why is that literally your go-to role for him every time you talk about him? Like, uh, I, he hasn't done tons of other shit. Yeah, what? Remember the Titans? Yeah, dude. Remember the Titans? Uh, my, my name, name is Earl. Earl. <laughs> like, dude's done tons of shit, man. This man always goes back to, oh, man, I really love that guy in Butterfly, Butterfly Effect. <laughs> he was also, what else was he in? He was in something else. Oh, he was on the ranch, too. He was? Yeah, he played the cop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fucking guy. Uh, All right, Drew, you know what time it is. Time you know, check. Time check, y'all. You know, yo, I like doing time check, but a certain person don't like doing it, but too bad he's not with us no more. All right, our time check is one hour, five minutes, 25 seconds. Oh, good. Let's get the fuck out of here. Man. All right. I'm starving. Oh, real quick. Uh, next week, uh, it's back to me again. and uh, We're going to have a special. We're going to try some. We're going to try a new format. We've been, you know. We've been shopping the idea around a lot. We're going to try it. We're going to, uh, you know, we're going to do it next week and see how it goes and then, you know, reevaluate, see if you guys are into it or not. I mean, I'm pretty excited for it. So, you know, we'll see. We're not rebranding. No, we're just we're, re- it's just like, it's like still getting loser, but it's like, like a different kind of episode, kind of. It's not like a permanent thing. It'll only be like once in a while, but it's something new we want to give a try. So we're going to, we're going to try that out. But also, uh, we don't say this enough on the episode. I'm going to start saying it more. Well, first of all, uh, I don't know if I said this last week, but I just want to thank um, everybody in Getting Loser that uh, reached out to me about my grandmother. I appreciate you guys. It, it meant the world to me, honestly. You guys are great. I really appreciate it. Um, I mean, you know, the the group is slowly growing into a little fam. Even though most of you don't, you know, really react to anything. But, I mean, I feel like, you know, you guys are slowly becoming a family to me. And I really appreciate that. You know, it was a tough week for me. And I, you know, I appreciate you guys giving us the time to just, you know, be with the fam and Yo, that, skip an episode for a week. Yeah, that that was a tough week. But Saturday was probably one of our best days. Yeah, I mean, we had they had a party here at the studio and we came. It was awesome. I mean, we had a great time. It was a uh, future with Gameheads United. Yeah, yeah. So shout out to them too. Uh, also, if you guys wouldn't mind, uh, after you're done listening to an episode on Spotify, if you guys wouldn't mind giving us a rating, 
Uh, we'd highly appreciate it. I'm not asking you to give us five stars. If you don't feel like our content is five-star worthy, that's fine. That's Just give us an honest rating, you know, because the more ratings we get, the bigger it helps us grow our audience. It helps us, you know, have our content show up other places on <clears throat> the app. So, I mean, a rating, if you're on Apple, a review on there or on Amazon, a review, even shit, a review on Facebook. I mean, anything helps. We appreciate you guys. Uh, I know we've said this like a hundred times, but we are slowly trying to work out ideas for like some merch and shit. You know, it's just been, Yo, so it's been tough with like the prices of everything going up. You know, so I've been a little short on money these days. But yeah, uh, I was I was telling Sean um like I had an idea for like a couple of our merch ideas, but you guys gotta find out because I'm not gonna say it. Why the fuck would you interrupt me just to say? Oh, you're gonna have to find out. Find out next week. Like, I was literally on a roll, dude. And then you <laughs> fucked me up, but now I forgot what I was going to say. All right, well, I'm going to get out of here, guys. Uh, I just want to say, you know, I love you. I appreciate you all. Yeah, Thank one you guys love. for everything you do. Uh, you know, uh, I'm excited to, you know, just keep growing the podcast and just you oh, know, yeah. keep reaching for the stars. I hope, dude, Hopefully I'll, we get some merch out to you guys soon Even if it's just little shit you know So you can get out there and start rocking our shit Let people know who we are Yo Sean I want to go live one day Yeah we will eventually down the road uh, We also you know We've also started like planning out Like trying to plan out like a couple episodes ahead Just so we have an idea of where we're going And uh, we got some good shit in the works for you guys Man, I got some, a couple some episodes I'm pretty excited about I got a couple in my back burner right now I uh I'd also like to, like, I don't know. I'd like to get kind of, like, a little more into, like, history, kind of. Oh, and I mean, like, shit. discoveries and shit. Like, because I heard, I just, I was telling Drew earlier, I seen this TikTok about this discovery they made. We're going to talk about it a little bit next week. And I mean, that shit fascinates me. So, I mean, I'd like to maybe get into some of that shit down the road. Maybe get, try and find, like, a, a go-to, like, guests for that kind of shit to have on for just purely episodes like that, maybe. Dude. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking ahead. I'm getting too excited. I'm just happy yeah. to be back. Yeah. Are, are we just happy to be back because history is one of my favorite my favorite go-tos? I don't know. I mean, I'm just happy to be back. Uh, I'm thank, I'm grateful to you guys. I'm grateful to, you know, Matt, who runs the studio. I'm grateful to the podcast precinct. You know, I'm just... Hey, hey. Uh, I'm going to stop ranting, and, you know. I'm going I'm to leave you guys alone. Wait, hey, hey, hold uh, on. We're going to get on out of here for tonight. I'm going to go eat and go home. I'm I'm grateful for for my co-host. Yeah, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to you too. You piece of shit. Thank you, fucking asshole. All right. Um. Thanks for riding along, losers.